I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Um, we'll get to chapter 4 in a few minutes. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, brought a message on acceptance within the church. And uh, it was a message talking about unity in the church. And that's the emphasis that I was trying to make, is that it was in the church. And that final illustration, you might remember more than anything about the ice cream. We have all kinds of ice cream and all kinds of different ways of doing it. And uh, I had a heavy heart and, uh, and I thought about it. It's not that I was saying that we accept every kind of lifestyle sin into the church, not by any means. It was more the body of Christ. We fit together. We have a lot of different things. I even said in the message, I'm not talking about people living in sin. I'm just talking about how we accept one another in the church with all of our different gifts, our talents, our temperaments, our love languages, our backgrounds, all that. Uh, we all don't see things the same. And, and like it or not, that, that's how God has placed us here. And I'm sorry that um, it might have come across differently to some ears, but it was not my intent, I assure you. But I, I do want to continue talking about acceptance today. And uh, I'm going to talk today about how do we accept lost people. And I don't mean just in the church, but where you work, where you live, out there in the world. When you see somebody who is obviously not living uh, a Christian life, how do you treat them? How do you talk about them? And I'm going to use our greatest example, the Lord Jesus Christ. I found some very interesting stories in the life of Christ that teaches us um, about how Jesus accepted everyone. And my first example is here in John chapter 8. And just beginning in verse 2, Jesus, uh, the word of God says, Early in the morning, Jesus came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Verse 6. This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who has, is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Now, you guys are familiar with this story, and there's a lot of questions that I have about that story. Uh, a lot of things that I, I just can't wrap my head around like, like, like this. How in the world did they catch her in the act of adultery? And here's another one. Where's the guy? It takes two to tango, they say. Well, I think that's all answered in verse 6. 
This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. So I started thinking about this, and, and, and listen, this is just Brother Bill talking. It's, it's not the word of God. I'm just thinking out loud the movie, how it plays. In fact, here's what we're going to do. 100 years after we get to heaven, on the next Tuesday after the 100th anniversary of our in heaven, let's check out the movie. We'll get some popcorn, and we'll watch this video. Um, but here's what went through my mind. The man must have been part of the plot. He's the one who tricked her or did whatever to get her into that position to compromise her so that they could bring her before Jesus. See, verse 1 of this chapter says, Jesus spent the night in Mount of Olives, and, and he came early into the temple to teach. And here's the Pharisees. They interrupted his teaching in the temple and bring rudely bringing this woman, pushing her into the midst of the crowd. Instead of passing judgment on the woman, Jesus passed judgment on the judges. No doubt, Jesus was probably a little put off by the way that they treated the woman. He was concerned that such hypocrisy could bring a con condemn a person and not yet they won't judge themselves and their own sin. Another question that we might ask is, what did Jesus actually write on the ground? Well, I've always wondered that, and, and more so, though, I think the key there is that it says specifically in the Word of God that he used his finger to write. He didn't pick up a stick. He didn't have some kind of a quill. You ever read in the Bible where the finger of God wrote anything? You know, like the Ten Commandments, right? Exodus thirty-one eighteen. He had the tablet with the commandments written with the finger of God. I also thought about the book of Daniel. When um, the king was having a big party and brought the temple um, instruments in, the, the bowl, the, the cups, all the things that were used for worship for the Hebrews, and, and the hand of God came and wrote on the wall, judgment on that king. So it wasn't so much what he wrote, it was how he did it. Here was the finger of God, once again, writing a message to the people. But really, we're going to look at the important part of this story. How did Jesus treat the person who was caught in blatant sin? Not a believer, an unbeliever. Does he shame her? Does he condemn her? No, he accepted her. He accepted her the way she was, right then and there, but he loved her too much to allow her to continue in that lifestyle. Now, we would never interpret this event to mean that Jesus is easy on sin. Because, listen, beloved, for Jesus to be able to say to her that she's forgiven, that means that he would have to die on the cross for the forgiveness of her sin. Forgiveness is easy, but it's never cheap. When the accusers were all gone, his words to her... Neither do I condemn you, go, and from now on, sin no more. He showed her grace. He showed her mercy with those words. Now let me talk to the church for a minute. Not so much in how we treat sinners, but 
how do we treat the word of God? God came to you with his mercy and his grace, and he's forgiven you. I think the message that he would say to us is go and sin no more. But are we living in a lifestyle of sin still to this day? I mean, do we have some things that we're doing in our own life that we constantly do, forever do, and we're, we're not getting right with God? Can a Christian really do that? I mean, can we stir up strife when the Bible says that you're not to do that? Are, are we to live in blatant sin and, and still come and praise and worship God? I don't think so. How can we look at the cross of Christ, what he did for us on Calvary, and then just go and live our life the way that we want to live it? It should never be. We need to hear this message that Jesus had for this woman. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Beloved, we need to get our lives right with God. I think a lot of times the reason we don't treat sinners so well is because we have a self-condemnation. We're, we're condemning our own selves. We know that we're not living right, but if I can look better than you, I'm all right. I'm sorry, let's go back to the message. How do you treat someone who is lost in sin? Are you more of the Pharisee that says, look at his sin, look at her, how bad she is? Or do you have compassion and try to reach them as they are? Here's another story out of the life of Jesus, Mark chapter five. It tells us of a man who is a demoniac Demon possessed, man, more than that, he, he was possessed with a legion of demons. Was Jesus repulsed by him? Did he look the other way and ignore him? No. Jesus worked at delivering him, and then he set him on a path to evangelize his community. Listen to his story if you found that. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him one out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and he wrenched the chains apart. He broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs, and on the mountains, he was always crying out, bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him, crying out with a loud voice. He said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you, I beg you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out. They entered the pigs, and the herd, number about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank, into the sea and were drowned in the sea. Drop down to verse 18. And Jesus was getting in a boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, 
Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. This is a wonderful story about this man. And in verse 9, I love verse 9. Jesus tells this man, you can't come with me. I want you to go back to your friends and neighbors. I want you to be a living testimony for them. And tell them what the Lord has given you, mercy. That's how Jesus treats sinners, with mercy, with grace. And that's how he treated you when you came to him. Now we come to our text, John chapter 4. This is the story of the woman at the well. Again, a very familiar story. But there's a whole lot of issues in there that teach us something about how Jesus accepts people. Now, the story is very long, so let me just um, wind this up. Uh, Jesus, who, by the way, is a Jewish teacher, rabbi. In fact, his disciples in this text call him rabbi. He's going from town to town. He's teaching people about the love of God, about how, who God really is. And in that day, it wasn't considered proper for a man to speak to a strange woman in public. Um, especially if you're a rabbi. To speak to any woman in public who isn't a part of your family is, is considered wrong. But listen to John 4, 27. He said, just then, now this is after Jesus had the conversation. The disciples come back. She's on, she's on her way to town. She's going to tell everybody about Jesus. The disciples come up and they say, they says they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what did you seek or why were you talking with her? But they marveled. They could not believe that Jesus was talking to this woman. Marveled. What I see here is that Jesus... He set aside social custom so that he could talk to someone about their eternal soul. That's what was at stake. That was the important thing. He strikes up a conversation with not only a woman, by the way, a Samaritan woman, despised, hated by everybody of the Jews. This was a race of people the Jews had very little dealing with. Not no dealing, because where were the disciples when Jesus was talking to the woman? They were talking to some of the Samaritans in the village and trading with them. So it's not that they don't, but they had great disdain for them. And Jesus speaks to her, not only um, speaks to her, asks her for water. Give me to drink. And in verse 9, the Samaritan woman could believe that a Jew, a man, was talking to her and asked her for a drink. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, that, that parenthesis there in, in that last verse is, um, you use no vessels in common with the Samaritans. You wouldn't drink after us. Why are you asking me to give you to drink? You see, Jesus was setting all that aside. He didn't want to look at her nationality. He didn't want to look at her religious beliefs. He saw her soul that needed living water. Of course, our Lord's request was just a way to open a conversation to lead her to salvation. Not only was this woman a woman, this is a Samaritan woman, 
But more than that, she was an adulterous woman. Yeah. Jesus confronted her sin in verse 18. You have five husbands, she said. And the one that you are now with is not your husband. In his encounter with the Samaritan woman, we see very clearly that Christ accepted her. He accepted her in spite of some rather significant obstacles that she had, uh, racial, religious obstacles. There was a whole conversation about do we worship here, do we worship there? There were moral issues, there were social obstacles. All of these were barriers that stood in the way of Jesus speaking to her, but he does. Did Jesus agree with her religious point of view? No. Nor did he agree with her immoral lifestyle of living with a man outside of marriage. She was shacking up with some guy. So this woman had a load of sin and guilt as she stood before God. She knew it. Jesus knew it. But Jesus accepted her. But at the same time, again, just as he did, he didn't approve of her wrong theology. He didn't approve of her immorality. It wasn't like he said, adultery, living in sin, oh, that's okay. No, 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 no. That's not what he said. See, by telling her that he knew all about her sin, Jesus was leading her to repentance. Repentance is a change of lifestyle, turning around 180 degrees, leading her to seek forgiveness. His acceptance of the woman did not mean ignoring her sin. Instead, it meant confronting them, dealing with them effectively. So how about you? We're all sinners, amen, right? Everybody, everybody nod your head, right? We're all sinners, we are. Do you have a checkered past? We have checkered past here in this room. Some have a checkered present, but we won't talk about that. Do you bring your load of guilt to God? We, we come here this morning burdened down because we know we haven't lived a good life. We haven't lived.